You ready? I think so. Those sound like fair questions. Yeah, yeah. They're not like <laughs> it's not hard. You know yourself better than anybody else, ideally. Welcome back to My Wax Museum. This episode took a little while for me to get out after recording it with Jack, but it's a great conversation and I wanted to share it with you. Jack tells me about his experience on his mission, his experience living in a couple different states and a couple different countries, and what that's taught him about working with people. Anyways, it's a great conversation, and Jack is one of the most positive and most wonderful people I know. He's kind to everybody, and he's an all-around great guy. Remember to take five minutes today after this episode is over, or just skip it completely, and go right to having a conversation with somebody you know. You'll be amazed at the things and the stories that people right around you can offer. Jack Davis, welcome to My Wax Museum. You are now a figurine here. So um, tell me, how do we know each other? Uh, to the best of my memory, I feel like it was at a church event, a YSA activity. I remember talking to someone and they were like, you should meet Alex. And you were up there. I think you were talking to my sister, Missy, mm. actually. And yeah. so I came up and I was like, oh, hello, my name's Jack. And that's kind of where things started. Was that at the basketball thing? No, March that wasn't. Madness last year? That wasn't the first time I met you. I met you before that, didn't I? That's the first time we had like a good, a good chat. long chat. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure I must have, or I at least knew who you were because I, I knew your sister already. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That's the time I remember anyway, that March Madness. Yes. We weren't playing basketball. Or at least I wasn't. I don't think you were. Were you? I was playing. I was playing eventually. Oh, okay. But not. You're just hanging out for the time. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's how we know each other. And then where were you born? Because I know you've lived in a few different places. Yes. Uh, I was start? born in Salt Lake. Utah. Okay. Really? Yep. Do you know the hospital? Ooh, I know it was Salt Lake County. Okay. So somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Um. So how long did you live in salt lake for then uh it was about five years five years really mm -hmm. and do you remember any of it when you were a kid oh yeah for sure we had a a black lab her name was dixie mm. and so i have a lot of memories of chasing her across the yard that's awesome and uh and so that's just kind of your base childhood memories chasing your dog around the yard and then where did you go after that after that, my job, my dad was working as a baggage loader okay. for Delta. Okay. And after 9-11, uh, 2001, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of less people were taking flights. Right. Especially um, just in that area of the world, of the states. And so they told him if he wanted to keep his job, he'd have to relocate to Atlanta, Georgia. Really? And so that's where we moved to. Okay, and how long were you in in Atlanta for? Uh, we were in Atlanta area for like about five years again, from like 2003 to 2008. So, okay, that'd be that'd be interesting. I guess I never. I mean, it makes sense that people were flying less after 9/11, um, but it never really occurred to me how much that would actually damage the economy. But mm -hmm. Atlanta is a super busy super busy airport so oh yeah i think it's 
the first or second busiest in the world or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's good. And then, so you were there for five years. And what do you remember from living in Georgia? Uh, well, we took our dog with us. So mm -hmm. again, lots more memories with my dog. Um, we lived kitty corner, like our both our neighbors actually had lake property. And so we spent a lot of time fishing or whatever, even though the lake was just infested with uh, snapping turtles and oh, really? noxious weeds and stuff. So um, there were lots of ducks that lived on the lake. Yeah. And I had a friend who lived a couple houses down. Um, and we both had BB guns. And ducks plus BB guns plus young boys yeah. equals lots of running around shooting ducks with BB guns. And how'd that go over? <laughs> it went over pretty well until one of my until my friend... Uh, accidentally hit one of the ducks in the head yeah and it died and floated belly up in the lake for like two weeks so Ooh. he didn't want to shoot any more ducks after that so yeah he was kind of disturbed yep oh yeah that'd be yeah that that'd be terrifying it's all fun and games until a duck gets killed yeah until they actually get it yeah man so so you were there for another five years so you're in georgia till you're 10 yep and so you you kind of would have started school, maybe kindergarten in Salt Lake, but then school in yeah. Georgia. Yep. And what was that like? Um, as far as the transition? Or... Yeah, yeah. The, the change of scenery. Did you, I mean, you were five. So did you, do you remember missing Salt Lake? Do you remember not liking the change or was it just kind of, oh, okay. It was more of a, I was okay with it. I do yeah. remember... Um, like my kindergarten and first grade teachers mm -hmm. from Utah. Um, but other than that, it was just a transition. I remember all of my teachers and classmates got accents. Oh, so yeah. That was one big yeah. change that I remember. I love a Georgian accent, though. Mm -hmm. It's pretty sweet. And and so that was kind of weird for you to adjust. Did you pick up an accent at all while you were down there? Oh, not very much at all. No? No. Uh, it was actually funny with the transition uh we were you know speaking proper you know utah english if you right <laughs> if you proper, call it that proper english and right people down there have a whole different vocabulary almost or they say you know you don't say i'm going to the store you say i'm fixing to go to the store right and uh we'd try to say things like that and we'd say you know i'm fixing to go to the store instead of you know right just it, drawing it out yeah know? without <laughs> the accent it's not the same yeah without the accent it's just what yeah right <laughs> Uh, okay, that's interesting, actually. Um, and then you, so then you have younger siblings. Missy's one of your younger siblings. And then Megan, is that? Missy's actually an older sibling. Is Missy older than you? Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. I thought she was younger <laughs> than you. Yeah, Missy's uh, about a year and a half older. Oh, okay, and then okay. I have a younger sister, Ashley. Ashley. And then Joey and Jimmy. And then Joey and Jimmy. I don't know why I thought Megan. Was there Megan at Wings the other night? Yes. Oh, okay. That's why I thought Megan, because you had said that. Okay. So that's Missy, you, Ashley, Joey, Joey and Jimmy. Jimmy. Okay. So five kids in your family. Yep. And, and when were they? Because then in Georgia, it was you and Missy and Ashley would have... And Joey. And Joey. Yep. And so... Did they did they all have kind of the same adjustment or was it kind of it was worst for Ashley probably yeah. because she went to some speech therapy in Georgia oh. as a young 
kid. Right. Um, and actually that was worse when we finally moved back to Idaho because she had to go to speech therapy again because she was speaking, you know, like a Southerner. Right. <laughs> and had a whole different set of uh, speech therapy issues there. That's so. interesting. Because, I, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not like Southern English is necessarily mm-hmm. bad English. It's just a different dialect of yep. English, right? Yep. And so then it'd be like me moving to England and them saying, oh, you need speech therapy. You're not doing this right. Yeah. Right? Especially if she's in the middle of speech therapy mm-hmm. and already struggling and then, you know, com- teaching it a completely different way. Yep. Huh. Yeah, that would be tough. That would be a lot, uh, a real difficult time. And then, so then you said you moved to Idaho. Yeah. And so that was when you were 10? Yes. Okay. And what was that transition like? I remember loving the transition, honestly, because uh, in Georgia, the school started right at the end of July. And when we moved to Rexburg, Idaho, the school year didn't start until mid-August or end of August. So we had like a whole extra three month, three weeks of summer. Really? So. And and so it started later, but it didn't end later, though? Uh, it might have. But, but it's the illusion it that the it illusion starts that later. More. Right, right. Yep. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that'd be, I don't know. I've lived in the same place my whole life, so I have mm-hmm. no idea what it's like to move around like that. And then, so how long were you in Idaho for? I was in Idaho for eight years. Okay, because you, you graduated high school in Idaho. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so those, Rexburg, Idaho, those are my streets. Right. I know those places. Oh, Rexburg. <laughs> was that was that for work again, or what was that move about? Uh, that move, so in Georgia, my parents actually split up. Okay. They got divorced, and uh, my mom, uh, we kind of moved out for a couple years, moved into a townhome, um, and then... She thought, you know, why don't I go to go to school again and finish my degree? Right. So we that's why we relocated to uh, Rexburg because that's where my parents had met and gone to college initially. Okay. And then so then your mom wanted to go back to school. And what did she study? She studied communications. Okay. And then and was that difficult for you? Because then you were living with your mom. Mm-hmm. And so what was that uh, distance like? Um, I guess it was different, like, um, as far as seeing my dad, I guess we used to, when, after the divorce, uh, we'd see him maybe mm, three, four times a month. And then it turned into four or five times a year that Mm. we'd see him, um, which was okay. I mean, as far as like household changes, I kind of became like the little man of the house. Right. So I don't know. It was kind of a, it was a very maturing experience. Right. I guess. What kind of responsibilities do you feel you took on when when that change happened then? I think uh, my mom uh, kind of relied on me or other siblings a lot more for, um, for input on things. Or uh, I guess commonly a good example would be like, okay, well, I'm not going to be home after school. So make sure that A, B, and C happen with mm-hmm. uh, your siblings. And so kind of just that additional responsibility. Right. And so, so were you like cooking meals and making sure your siblings did their homework and stuff like that? Uh, I'd always, yeah, I guess I'd always done that sort of stuff before. Like I'd yeah. make meals and stuff just cause, um, 
different reasons, but yeah, definitely a lot more like, um, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of a more of a responsibility of it instead mm-hmm. of, Oh, it's, you know, just making meals with my family kind of thing. Yeah. Huh. And, and how, um, what would you say the biggest change in yourself that came about from that? Um, I'd probably say the biggest difference, like diff- biggest character influence I had would be my like responsibility or maturity mm-hmm. and like, like learning the importance of doing things on my own without other people expecting me to. Right. Right. So there were a lot of experiences I had uh, with my mom growing up where uh, I would do something small that she hadn't necessarily told me to do. And she'd reinforce that a lot. So I'd say just even in general, I learned that from my mom is like doing good of my own choice. Right. I think that's awesome, and and your mom really helped instill that in you. I've met your mom, and she's a real nice lady, um, and and she's she's smart, and I she's talked about you kids. She taught a class I was in once. She talked about you guys for institute. And, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's um, that's awesome. Um, and then so then I met you in Calgary though. So after you graduated from high school how did you come to calgary straight after that or was it a little bit or it was actually the day after um grad night so really the my mom and stepdad met and got married in uh december right of my senior year okay and then they decided to allow us to finish out the year in uh in the States and then move up to Canada. And so we had graduation that night. There's the huge party, stayed up till four in the morning, got picked up, drove back home, finished loading up the moving van. And we drove that next day. Holy cow. I mean, and that's a nine hour drive back to Calgary. Did you come to Calgary right away? Like it was straight here? Yeah, we drove straight to Calgary. Dang. That's so crazy. (laughs) Well, I'm graduated nice seeing everybody bye see ya like (laughs) man yeah that'd be that'd be nuts and uh and so is is your stepdad canadian is that why yes my mom up here my mom and stepdad are both from calgary oh really your mom's from calgary okay so you always you had had you visited calgary before yes so it wasn't just a I guess we're moving to Canada. It yeah. was, it was, oh, okay, Calgary. I, you know, I've been there and whatever. Yep. Now it was like, instead of, uh, hey, maybe we could go up to the Calgary Stampede this year. It was, we're going to go every year. Right. Because you <laughs> live here. Yep. Yeah. So does, does your family get out a lot? Like, do you guys take advantage of those things that are kind of in your area? Uh, yeah. When we first moved up, there was a lot more. It was a, it was a big change again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was nice because we were close to family members. Right. And so that was a support feature we hadn't had for pretty much our whole lives. Wow. And then, and then, so you're closer to family. So that helped with the transition, of course. And then was, was this transition harder than the others though? Because you're moving to a different country. 
you're moving further away from your dad and you're also I mean you're graduated now that's a lot of change to happen all at once yeah um it was harder this one for sure um partly well for a couple reasons because I had friends that I had made a lot better friends with in those eight years and then um I actually had a girlfriend Mm. in my senior year like so all year we were dating and then um we were planning on going we were she was a year older than me right so i was going to turn 18 she was going to turn 19 we were both going to go on our missions right and come back and you know get married all that stuff we never talked about it but it was definitely in our minds and um so that grad night was like the last time i saw her before uh like for the next like three months so yep Dang. So it was a harder change for that reason. <laughs> yeah, knowing uh, knowing the seventeen year old me. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have been down with that. I would have had a hard time. And so, so you made that change. Why w- was there any way you could have stayed in Idaho? Did you want to stay in Idaho? Like, what what really made you say, okay, yeah, I'm going to Calgary. Um, I knew it was only going to be for about three months. I don't feel like I had very much choice, you know, mm-hmm. not 18 yet. Um, right. I didn't have a whole lot of prospects for staying. Um, so, yeah, I ended up going and I knew that I'd be back for school. Right. Because you went back down yep. to BYU-Idaho. Yep. And what did you study while you were there? Uh, a just... lot of dating. A lot of dating. <laughs> that was it. I was studying communications. Uh, Because that was one of my interests, Mm -hmm. but I was just taking a couple classes, really. Yeah. So taking it pretty easy. Mm Because then you went on a mission, right? Yep. And where did you go? I went to Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. So so that's is that close to Georgia? uh, It's fairly close to Georgia. You definitely get accents. Um, My mission was the Virginia Chesapeake mission, which covered Virginia, like the eastern part of Virginia, right along the coast, Mm -hmm. as well as the coastal area of of north carolina okay so when you were in north carolina you definitely got a lot more of the accents and hillbillies and stuff so that's awesome i just i love the sound of those southern accents i Mm -hmm. think they're awesome and so then so you went down there and then what what was that experience like for you how did you grow and change there i loved the mission it was a really good experience i felt like um my sense of responsibility and everything I gained through childhood and stuff really prepared me for that. I feel mm-hmm. like I was really well prepared to be a missionary. Um, I'd say my biggest challenge before uh, was probably overcoming my own pride mm-hmm. <laughs> because I had many experiences uh, with companions later on where I had to kind of cut my own crap and actually listen to other people's ideas instead yeah. of just thinking, oh, I know exactly how to make this area run perfect, you know? Right. So, and so, was there a specific experience you can you can think of and share where where you kind of had to be humbled a little bit? I'd say for sure. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So I had probably two, two or three compa- uh, two or three companions. I think that definitely had different opinions than me. Right. And uh, so we had a lot of a lot more conflict there. And we always, you know, got things along because we wanted to go out and work. Um, specific experience. Hmm. So 
it's tough to come up with a specific one, you know? Um, but something I could say is there's this uh, companion I had who was, he was also almost at the end of his mission. Mm-hmm. And, and I was getting there. It was my last area. And we spent three transfers together. Oh, dang, yeah. Which is like four and a half months. That's that's a considerable amount of time for being with one person. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the very beginning, we shotgunned this area and um you should clarify what shotgun oh shotgunning okay so shotgun (laughs) whitewash missionary terms you'll hear uh means both of the missionaries that were in the area uh got transferred out yeah and two missionaries who'd never been there before come in right and so usually that happens when an area seems like it's kind of dying down nothing's happening and this had been happening in this area for like months and months and so we got in there and the very first day we met a family that came to church with us. So on our first Sunday in the ward, we brought someone with us. So the whole ward was like, holy cow, these are real good elders, you know? Right. Um, and kind of the experience with uh, compromise and change and stuff was that at the very beginning, so that first transfer, it was a lot more like my way. Right. And uh, the and eventually the, the longer we were together the more it transitioned into his way because he was very dominant as well. Right. And so I guess like the experience I learned there is that we didn't have a change really in our productivity. Right. There were still, if not more, people like getting baptized or finding activities and things like that. So I kind of learned a lot more that, okay, well, I might be upset that that's not my way, but we're still accomplishing a lot. Right, right. So So it's... It's my way might work, but their way might work too. <laughs> yeah, it's like I know my way works, but you know, yeah. taking that risk of accepting someone else's way. Right. You kind of have to give up and let let them have their idea too. Right. Absolutely. And uh, and so then you came back. Did you come back straight back to Calgary after yeah, your mission? I did. And what was that like getting home? Who I'd say getting home was a harder transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to get used to the idea that a decent day in the life of, you know, your average citizen means you wake up, you do some shopping and you watch a movie and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had so much trouble with wanting to be as productive as a missionary is Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, had to come to terms with that a lot. Yeah. You kind of so, had to slow down a little bit back to yep. reality Huh. Yeah. And then how long, how long would you say it took for you? Cause you were away for two years and then you're back in the real world all of a sudden, how long did it take for you to really be back in the real world? <laughs> what are the phases of my anxiety yeah. returning home? <laughs> well, I think there is the first two months where I didn't have a job. Mm-hmm. That was the worst. I was so anxious all the time. Um, and then I had a job and after like having a job, having something consistently to do made things a lot better. Oh, I'd it say a like huge difference. Yeah. Once I started school in the fall, I was really on my way, I think. So this is fall of what year? 2018. 2000. Oh, so that yeah. was. So January, 2018. Oh, you I only got, got back in January. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then it would have been March Madness where I like actually first met you. Yeah. Huh feels like i've known you longer than that but yeah that's funny so then 
you've been back just over a year. Yep. You started school in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, where? In the University of Lethbridge. Okay. And what are you studying there? I'm studying psychology and human resources. So I'm doing a combined degree. That's a pretty smart combo, I think. So when you when you graduate university, what do you have? What's the paper say? Uh, I'll have two bachelor's degrees. One that says uh, Bachelor of Arts and Science uh, Psychology and one that's Bachelor of Management uh, Human Resource and Labor Relations. That's sweet. Sweet deal. How long How long does that take if you're doing double? Does it take longer? At the minimum, it takes five years. Okay. With uh, five courses each semester. So in reality, it'll, it'll probably be five and a half or six years that I'll be in school. Right. Because that's... I mean that's a lot of classes. It is, and uh, a lot of, a lot of studying. Yep. I don't know. I don't know how some people take take more than the average amount of credits. Yep. It blows it's, my mind. We'll see. I mean, I mean, I just finished. I'm working. I'm almost done my first year. So. Yeah. We'll see how I feel. Like maybe I I might just do the human resources and labor relations part. Yeah. So. Yeah. You never know, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and so what drew you into those things? Mm. Uh, when I got home, I realized how much I loved working with people. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking psychology geared towards uh, becoming a counselor or a therapist. Right. And uh, then I had a couple um, visits with a counselor. And, you know, meeting with him, I was like, oh, cool. I'll get to see what it's like to kind of do what I want to do. And uh, then, like, after those visits, I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't really want to work with people one-on-one, you know, just whatever. And, um, which I don't diss on the profession at all. I think it's no, great. Yeah. Um, but I just felt like it wasn't for me so much. Right. And I was thinking about how much I love business once mm-hmm. I got to school and, uh, just thought, you know, I'd love to get into management consulting and basically be a counselor for people's businesses. Hmm. So that'd be pretty cool. And there, I mean, with with anything you study in psychology psychology applies to everything mm-hmm. especially human resources if you oh, understand yeah. how people operate and, yep. and how they think and stuff right and uh yeah that's that'd be a pretty cool cool gig so i'm trying to think of how 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 to phrase this there there are some professions that you get where you know exactly what company you want to work with right Mm -hmm. a lot of the time accountants will say oh i want to work with this firm right they'll they'll do an internship at that firm and then they'll say i want to work there and then there's uh teachers who say this is where i want to work so i'll be working with that school board with human resources and psychology is there any of that in there or is it just i'll go find a job at some company and i'll work there and you know, be the best I can be for their team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it depends, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, there's a program, there's the co-op, cooperative education, cooperative education program at the University of Lethbridge where they contact local businesses or even businesses here in Calgary um, and see if they would take on students to kind of help out in the area where they're studying. Hmm. So some students who are interested in human resources, for example, 
might go through the co-op program, take a four-month-long work term at a company, and develop, start developing a relationship with the company. And the company might say, like, oh, this kid, he's so good. Um, and they'll contact him and say, hey, when you're done school, um, come work for us. Like, come apply. Right. Um, so there is some of that. But I think for the most part, as far as what I'm thinking right now, it's just uh, getting involved in the area, going to uh, networking events and meeting someone. That and kind of thing is how I'd imagine me getting work. Right. It's not, there's, there's not a specific company you want to work for. No. It's I'll find work. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And, uh, and so you're, you're an, an incredibly pleasant person. You, I like to think of myself as an optimist. You make me look like a pessimist sometimes. <laughs> you, you have a, a great light about you and you enjoy, enjoy people and you're very friendly, right? And, and so how did you kind of going back through all those phases in your life, how did you build into that person? Or do you feel like you've always had that kind of personality or what, what did you do? Um, there's something I like to say. It's a fake it till you make it. Um, I've found that I guess it kind of, I can go back to one pivotal point. Uh, it'd be uh, when I was 15, I had a friend who, um, I just, he was a really good friend of mine, helped a lot with um, kind of my perspectives mm-hmm. of people in general. Um, when you're 14, you can go to steak dances. Mm-hmm. And uh, typical me, pre this friend, his name's McCoy. Before McCoy, I was the kid who would just, oh, a slow song came on. I'm going to go outside and cool off. Right. And uh, I met him and was at a steak dance with him. And he was talking about how fun it is to ask people to dance because no one ever says no. Right. Or uh, you always, uh, how it's the cool thing to do to ask people to dance. And so me and him went to steak dances together from then on. And I never missed a slow song since. Right. Just because it was so fun. And um, just confidence and pleasantness anyway. Um, I find that you can just kind of put that sort of aura on. Um, eventually, it becomes yours mm-hmm. if you put it on enough. Um, and people like that. People respond really well. Um, I, a lot of people tell me like, oh, you have such a, a nature about you or like I, I just feel like I can open myself up to you or whatever, um, different things like that. And those sort of responses have really solidified that aura in me. Right. So it's positive feedback, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so you've built up that aura and of, of positivity and pleasantness mm-hmm. and, and just, just kind of generally being a good friend to people. Yep. And was that in the beginning when you first started to do that, you got to get a little momentum going right Mm -hmm. what what did you do to go from zero to moving uh and of course obviously you had some help from your friend Hmm. um i another thought came to me too and i think it's uh partly because i've had a lot of practice with getting to know people having moved so many times Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
is I've had to, you know, come start over somewhere fresh every time. And when that happens to you, you kind of have two options to not meet anyone or to try again to meet everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, momentum. Um, hmm. I'd say like focusing on that positive feedback for sure is like a, a key thing. I've definitely had people that are, that are like, Oh, there's that happy person there. <laughs> yeah. This guy is so annoying <laughs> or this person's probably just happy because they want to ask me out on a date or something. So right. there's always those like negative people. You just kind of have to push past it and uh, not waste any of your efforts. Like if you know someone's, if it looks like they're having a bad day or they think they're too cool for you mm-hmm. or whatever, then don't worry about trying to be their friend. Right. So. Hmm. And then, and so you're, you're kind of just out there saying, you know, I'm going to be, happy no matter what other people say um don't get me wrong i'm definitely angry and upset and pissed off sometimes yeah so i mean (laughs) i mean tell me about that how does that because because i i'm the same way i'm a generally very happy person and then you know tell me how misery goes down with you how frustration goes down with you what Hmm. What does that feel like when you go from being happy to, okay, this sucks? Hmm. So I've always been a fairly, or I've been, I've become a fairly open person mm-hmm. in that um, it doesn't really matter where I am or who I'm with. I'm totally down to be open. Like if someone's like, how's your day? I literally, I will actually say like, my day's been awful because of this, or it's been a decent day because this happened. Um, and so I'd say like, just being okay with wherever you're at, not trying to put on any sort of, uh, fake like masks of what's going on. Um, which also is interesting because it opens up other people to how they're doing. It's like when you're real with someone, they're going to be real with you back. Hmm. So does that answer your question? I think so. Yeah. So you just, you don't deny it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You accept that that's how you're feeling. And, and then how do you get out of it and get back to that happier side? Hmm. Well, I'd say that if you're trying to escape your emotions, Mm -hmm. you're not going to do so well (laughs) because it's always going to come back to you. So be okay. I'd say a lot of it is being okay with being sad or being angry for a while. Admitting that, saying, you know, I'm mad. I'm mad right now. I'm going to go do whatever I do when I'm mad. Mm -hmm. You know, hopefully not something destructive. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking to another person has always been huge for me. Um, Letting someone know what's what's upsetting me. Um, And then, like, sometimes they just talk about their day or I talk about mine and actually telling another person about what uh, I'm experiencing changes the way I perceive it too. Yeah. And then when, when you share that, cause it can be hard sometimes when, when you're frustrated to kind of make sense of it all and mm-hmm. to do it in a way that is constructive 
and and that isn't going to bring you down further. So how do you talk about your issues and frustrations in a constructive way? Mm-hmm. This comes back to a lot of uh, experience I've had as a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the reasons for someone to be upset are, or at least for me especially, are because of another person, right? So someone else does something, like maybe someone who's close to you gossips about you and it comes back to you and you're like, holy crap. Or, I don't know, <laughs> there's many different reasons that someone could make you upset. And I found that like talking to that person mm-hmm. in uh, like... I guess talking to that person helps. So because often there's things you don't know about that are going on behind the scenes with someone's life that would explain and help you come to terms with why they're behaving that way, Um, which applies a lot uh, to missionary work because there's different perspectives, different experiences. And so one thing our mission president told us to do, or one piece of counsel he had was... uh, if someone, if your companion or whoever you're with, your friend, your mom, <laughs> um, is uh, causing you, if you have a lot of you know unresolved conflict inside you, go to that person, say, hey, do you have a minute? They, they'll say yes. And then you go aside privately and say, I have a concern. And then explain what's, um, explain what you're experiencing right. and then ask them if there's, Ask them what their side of the situation is, what's going on. Um, and then in that way, you're accepting what's going on inside you and asking the other person to help you understand. Right. And so that sort of pattern um, can be applied to everything. Hmm. And so I I like how you say that you ask them for their side mm-hmm. um, because I think that's that's critical in sorting through any issue that you have with somebody is is figuring out where are they coming from yep and instead of making those assumptions of exactly why do you load the dishwasher that way why do you stick the forks down you're so wrong <laughs> you know? right yeah yeah <laughs> instead of asking the question and and then answering it with you're stupid right <laughs> yeah and because I, I had a brief discussion with somebody the other day about debating mm-hmm. and how you can have a productive debate if you are are founded in, okay, I want to understand where you're coming from. I really want to get it. I want to make sense of it, right? Instead of, I want to tell you why you're wrong and why <laughs> you suck. And, yeah. and so, yeah, that, that makes sense that that's the best way to to deal with issues that you have with other people. Yep. Have you had any experiences where you've had a lot of problems with somebody and then you get out of it and, and you, your friends or your relationship stronger because of it? Have you had any of those positive turnarounds? Yes. Um, there's a mission companion I had, we were together. I was his follow-up trainer, which There's your first companion, he's your trainer, and your second companion is your follow-up trainer. So I was his second companion, which is usually a rough transition Mm -hmm. to begin with. And he was also 
um, one of those missionaries who I didn't get along very well because we had very different perspectives. Right. And I had a lot of experiences with him where I was trying to do that, where I tried to understand where he was coming from. And despite how many conflicts we had, we still got outside, talked to people, um, did the work per se. And um, I mean, don't get me wrong the other way. It wasn't, uh, I wasn't a professional at this. I'm still not. Um, we had many uh, arguments. And at one point he even said, you know what, if if the president doesn't give me a new companion, I'm going home. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> so this was a very, uh, a very uh, tough yeah. experience for both of us. Yeah. Because we were so different from each other and because I was so stubborn. <laughs> and uh, yet um, we finished our companionship decent enough. Yeah. And um, months later, Quentin L. Cook came to our mission and uh, I knew I'd be seeing him at this conference. And for some reason, I just felt so excited to see him. And we got to the building. I knew he was in there. I ran in there and saw him. And he was just as excited to see me. Really? And we just like gave each other a big old hug and like talked for a minute. And I was like, man, we need to have another hug. And so we did. I feel like it was that sincerity that we both had, even right. though we both were so mad at each other. We both had that sincerity to explain what was going on. Right. And so just that developed a bond that we didn't even know we were developing. Hmm. So so just just being real, being honest, and uh, and and confronting your issues instead of yeah, instead of hiding them. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. Man, you've had I mean a pretty incredible life. You've lived in a lot of places, you've seen a lot of things and met a lot of different types of people and uh and and it's interesting to me whenever i do one of these interviews to see you know oh so that's why that's you know i actually get to i mean anybody can ask their friends <laughs> questions right but it's it's nice to have a dedicated time where i just sit down and we've got two hours of driving that we're going to be doing together today so yeah i'll uh i'll chat more with you um, but as we kind of wrap up the podcast, I want to hear from, you know, from when you were when you were a kid growing up until now, is there a dream you have? Just just something it can be completely wild or just I want a nice pizza, you know, like anything. Is there is there a dream you have that you want to achieve that you would love to see happen in your life? Hmm. Oh man, this is like the number one item on my bucket list. Is that what you're asking for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh. I'd say that my number one dream is to always be that person that people meet and they're like, wow, he's different. I want to talk to him more. So... I'd say that's that's something I've I've developed in myself is kind of this, um, which is probably why I have this aura. It's because I have that desire. I really want to be, of course, um, without faking it to anyone, without being fake. Right. I actually do. I want to be that person that everyone meets and they say, I really like Jack. Hmm. You know, like he's real. I feel like I can talk to him. 
I want to be that person. Right. I like because um, you said earlier that you have to fake it till you make it. But mm-hmm. then once you make it, you don't have to fake it. That's just yeah. the real Jack, the real you. And uh, I, I know from our friendship that I don't know how real or fake you are ever with <laughs> me, but I think you're a pretty real dude. I think you're a pretty stellar guy. And uh, so thank you for coming on My Wax Museum and, uh, and telling me a little bit more about your life. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. A couple themes I took from that conversation with Jack was the importance of growing up, of maturing, of changing, of becoming somebody better than you were and somebody better than you are. One thing I loved is how much he values the conversations he has with other people, even if they're difficult conversations to have. Those moments when we have to confront people, those times when we maybe have to say something a little out of our comfort zone. Those things can build relationships and can strengthen us. Maybe there's somebody you'd like to chat with. Maybe there's somebody you need to chat with. Listen to their story today. Just for five minutes, just listen to someone and let them tell you about them. It'll change your life as this podcast has changed my life. I've already got a couple more shows recorded and I look forward to sharing those with you over the next couple weeks. Look forward to that, but in the meantime, just listen to other people.